Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download that app today or just head to BetorFantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Fantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome in to the only digital radio show that loves to focus in on those teams that are given less of a chance. Usually the road team, the team that is less thought of, those underdogs, and we're here to talk all about it. On the first edition in 2022 of Three Dog Thursday, I'm the somewhat capable host. You should know right off the bat, we are six for six. I've given you six consecutive underdogs successfully in college football bowl games and the NFL the last two weeks. Thank you to the Baylor Bears who came through in the Sugar Bowl. I know Matt Corral got hurt from Ole Miss, but I liked Baylor to win the game even with Corral healthy. That just was an added bonus that his injury came up and Baylor was able to take advantage of the backup quarterback and stymie them defensively. So thank you to Baylor for that win. Thank you as well in the NFL on the weekend of the cover by the Baltimore Ravens. I know they did not win the game with the Rams. They gave up the last uh, minute touchdown to Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham, but it was only a one-point loss. That's a cover. And thank you also to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, how were they? I, I know they eventually were favored, but how were they an underdog in the first place uh, to the Cleveland Browns in Big Ben's last game potentially at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh? They won on Monday night outright, so that means three more successful underdogs, six for six the last uh, two weeks for the host. Also, Peter Blake did well uh, hanging out from the sports web. He had the Cincinnati Bengals as his play on Three Dog Thursday, the outright come from behind victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're here to give you more underdogs on the program, and we will do so uh, here coming up forthwith. We'll talk a lot about the college football playoff championship game. That's Alabama and Georgia on Monday night. Straight ahead, Brian Edwards here from MajorWager.com. Love his college football insight. Brian, also senior handicapper, Vegas insider. 
he is all over the tide as an underdog. And I got to tell you up front, I'm agreeing with him on this. We'll go over the reasons why straight ahead for this national title matchup. Indianapolis, Monday night, Lucas Oil Stadium. We got several days as we release the podcast until that game is played. But Brian's got the ins and outs about the semifinals which were a snooze fest last Friday with Alabama pounding Cincinnati. And then, surprise, uh, Georgia just blasting Michigan uh, from beginning to end, really, in that game and dominating. Did not see that coming. We'll talk with Brian about that. We'll get more on the Alabama game later on uh, from the Tuscaloosa perspective of Ryan Fowler, great afternoon host on Tide 100.9 FM. Ryan, time and again, has been around Alabama's biggest games in the SEC title game, the college football playoff, the college football playoff championship game. Love his insight. What about this Alabama team? What about the rematch angle with Georgia having beaten them in the SEC championship game and revenge on the minds of the Bulldogs and how might they go about winning this game? Ryan's got all the insight on that later on in the show. Also, a friend of mine, Joe Lisi, will be back here. Joe is a big-time handicapper sports better, especially on the multi-team parlays, the mega teasers. Joe was rocking an eight-team parlay, eight, eight NFL games last Sunday and hit them all including my Buccaneers racing from behind in the fourth quarter to beat the New York J-E-T-S mess, mess, mess. The Bucs got the win. It was not easy. The controversy with Antonio Brown. We'll talk with Joe Lisi about all of this. And the Buccaneer victory cashed another huge season futures bet for him. He cashed another Moneyline parlay ticket. I want Joe to explain all this to you. This guy repeatedly... We need to listen to him. Repeatedly keeps hitting on these multi-team parlays, 18 mega teaser, 10-team mega teaser with all the spreads. You'll hear from Joe Lisi later on in the program. And we cannot get out of here without having the doctor back in the new year, T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show in Las Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, in this NFL crazy final finale weekend of regular season games, there is one game, one, that is winner is in, loser is eliminated. That's Raiders hosting Chargers right in Vegas, where TC is, we'll get his thoughts on that game. The Raiders' chances. Uh, what about the Chargers? Can they complete the sweep? Can they get in the playoffs instead of the Raiders in this matchup in the AFC playoff wild card race? What about the fan situation in Vegas here? Uh, do the Raiders have it sold out or not? We're going to talk more about that uh, coming up as well with TC Martin later on in the show. So plenty to get to. I know the Antonio Brown controversy is still everywhere. As on Wednesday evening, uh, Brown has announced that he's filing a grief that his ankle is hurt, uh, leaving the field in the game with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers just 20 or 30 feet away from me. He was melting down at MetLife Stadium and then leaving the field. I was describing it on Buccaneers Radio. Some of you may have heard the clip, uh, etc. about all of this. What a mess. What a mess uh, here for Antonio Brown as... uh, uh, he was playing in the game and looked healthy to me. He's out there running around trying to make plays. The Bucks are trying to come back, and then suddenly he's done uh, again what he what he did everywhere else, and that is flake out on the team that had him, whether it's the Steelers or the Raiders or the one week that he was in New England, and they said no thanks back in the 2019 season at the beginning of the year. Uh, and the other part of this, and this is undeniable, the Buccaneers stood by Antonio Brown after another suspension for the fake vaccination card stuff. and uh, And at this point... That was betrayed by Antonio Brown. It's undeniable. He betrayed his team by quitting in the middle of the game. That's undeniable. Running off the field and going uh, to the locker room. So what a mess that he has created. It's probably the end of his NFL career, although I don't know. Some other team might want to pick him up. 
Uh, we'll wait and see how it plays out. I was right there ringside, and full credit to the Buccaneers for overcoming that. The backup receivers, Tyler Johnson, Cyril Grayson, who caught the game-winning touchdown pass, did a great job stepping up. Now the Bucks will play the Panthers Sunday at home, and the defending champs, yes, the defending Super Bowl champs, still have a shot at the two-seed. We'll be talking about this as the show goes on. If they win and the Rams lose to San Francisco – then that means the Bucks are the two seed and the Rams are the three seed in the NFC. That's still on the line. Who wins the AFC East between the Bills and the Patriots with their two games remaining? Playoff seeding still on the line for several other teams moving, jockeying. Will it be the Titans as the one seed? Will it be the Chiefs as the as the one or the two seed in the AFC? What happens in the NFC wild card race between the Cardinals, between the Eagles, between either the 49ers or can the Saints sneak? into the playoffs if the 49ers lose and the Saints win against Atlanta all of those playoff scenarios ongoing Uh, we'll see what happens this weekend we're going to talk a lot about it here on three dog Thursday so much to get to college football playoff championship game in Indianapolis regular season NFL uh, finale weekend all of that let's get it rolling with our guests the insight the underdogs flying here we go as promised, this guy's my wingman. I love his insight, especially on college football and later college basketball whenever we talk about it. Brian Edwards back aboard from Vegas Insider. MajorWager.com is part of Three Dog Thursday. Happy New Year to you, my friend. And as I set the table before you came on, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It is the SEC guaranteed another championship. It is an SEC rematch of Alabama and Georgia. So welcome in. How surprised are you Not that we have the two teams, but they both just won in devastating fashion, especially Georgia over Michigan. Let's begin right there. Were you surprised, like like a lot of us, including me, that Georgia just manhandled Michigan when I thought it would be a close game? I was a little bit, but that's that's, that's shame on me because my initial thoughts on that game were that, that Georgia was a steal. But as the week progressed, I started to think, you know, that they were – I just – I don't know. I just kind of had this feeling they might be a little punch drunk uh, just from, you know, dominating all year and then just have that one result go so awry. But that was just a bad read on – I mean, I didn't – I didn't play uh, Michigan. I had the over, but the over would have been an easy winner if Michigan would have provided any offense. So, it was a bad read on me. Now, I did push because I had a good number at 45, but – um yeah, that was just a bad read on my part, and kudos to Georgia for bouncing back. They were absolutely dominant uh, and good on them. And the one thing that we keep coming back to is Michigan found it out the hard way, too. The speed in the SEC on both sides of the ball, the lines on both sides of the ball, it is NFL-caliber stuff. That's why 30 or 40 SEC players keep getting drafted in the NFL, and it just seemed to overwhelm Michigan, did it not, as that first half progressed? Yeah, I mean, I, by early second quarter, I was like, man, this is the Arkansas game all over again. Like, this this game was over after, you know, two or three possessions. Um, I mean, you just – I mean, isn't that how you were interpreting? I mean, early yes. mid-second quarter, you were like, this is game, set, match, route. This thing is over. Were you thinking then, that as well? Yeah, and you got to give Georgia a lot of credit to bounce back For and sure. to play that well and to, against a Michigan team that had run the ball – on Ohio State, it run the ball on Iowa, could not run it uh, on Georgia. So now let's get to what we do here on Three Dog Thursday. So now we have the matchup. It is a rematch. And again, we'll touch later on with Ryan Fowler of the game, uh, 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa uh, on Tide 100.9 FM. He's going to talk more about the Alabama perspective of this. 
I was surprised that Alabama is an underdog in this game. I thought pick'em game or maybe even the Tide favored. You do this much more. Are you surprised that Alabama opened as an underdog and is an underdog in this game, specifically when they won on a neutral field back in the SEC title game? What You do this. This is what you do, yeah. Brian. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, my line is Alabama minus four. Um, bad line. Now, but, you know, but since the CFP matchups were announced, you know, some books released lines for the all four potential championship matchups and uh it was initially georgia minus two and a half to bama and it moved to one and a half as the cfp semis got closer and so you know and then georgia you know i think in all of our minds kind of overachieved in the michigan game i mean obviously they covered way easily and so it's gone up from one and a half to most books open two and a half and, and it's three pretty much across the board as Wednesday. Um, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised on based on what the look ahead line was, but am, it would it, that be my number? Hell no. I'm surprised. And that's a gift. I'll take it. Thank you. I like Bama. Let's do it. And so we're going to get into that a little more heavily here in a moment. How much do you buy into Saban's mastery of his former assistants, Saban with time to prepare, Saban going against a familiar opponent who he's had success again? Again, Nick Saban's not going to throw the ball like Bryce Young. He's not going to tackle somebody like Will Anderson. But this has got to be advantage big-time Alabama, especially on the adjustments, et cetera, does it not? Yeah, I mean, the reasons I like Alabama are the same as the SEC championship game. I think that they – and I think I said this when we talked before uh, the game in Atlanta, um, you know, Kirby is probably on Saban's level recruiting wise, but it's a complete mismatch when it comes to in-game coaching, clock management, in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments, et cetera. And as much as I would like to say, no, Kirby's not going to coach any different. I, I, you know, I wouldn't think he would, but then why the hell is he faking a punt two years ago in a tie game at like midfield on fourth and 12 when that should never even be a thought process. Right. I mean, like, I mean, why, like it feels like he's, in other words, I, I Fulmer would coach like that against Spurrier back in the nineties. He would just do things that were very un like, and it would just be clear as you're watching it. Fulmer's panicking. Spurrier's in his freaking head right now. And so, right. but I mean, look, not, whether that's the case or not, I like Alabama mostly because they have a lot better quarterback and they have a lot better head coach in terms of in-game adjustments, which is part of what you're asking. So a couple more moments here with Brian Edwards, who you can tell is going to be on Alabama as the underdog. And I'm liking, I'm liking the tide too, for three dog Thursday purposes. Let me put one right up on a tee and let you knock it out of the park to mix metaphors. If we go back to 1996, which you and I do, uh, William Jefferson Clinton had uh, had not yet been reelected, but he was about to. In fact, I think he did get reelected right after this game was played. Florida State beat number one Florida, as you well know, with Danny Werfel. Was knocked there. him down, sacked him. You were in the house in Tallahassee on that. All right, sacked him, knocked him down, harassed him, won the game. Warwick Dunn was tremendous. Okay, we fast forward to the New Year's Day Sugar Bowl and Spurrier, who you mentioned, and Warfel, and those receivers, Redell Anthony, Jaquez Green, Ike Hilliard, Ike. they were dominant in 
the rematch. So I wonder if we come back around 26 years later, can that honest to God be 26 years ago? We're getting old. If we come back around in this and look at 25, well, you will call it 25. If we go back to the revenge angle here with Georgia and learning things from the first game, could it be similar? You obviously don't think so, but do you buy my line of thinking here on the revenge game with an sec team? No. Well, I mean, just because I was at both those games and obviously I specifically remember like every detail, there were a couple of like factors. There were, there were two factors. Um, Zach Piller, who had a very good NFL career with the Titans, he had missed the regular season game, uh, as did – I'm trying to remember who our other offensive tackle was. We, we had two starting O-linemen that missed the game in Tallahassee. They were back for the Sugar Bowl, and Spurrier had never used a shotgun in his entire life. He'd always been stubborn. But he knew Renard Wilson and Peter Bullware coming off the edge, if he gave Workful maybe just another split second by going shotgun. So he made that those adjustments. like the, And he pissed and moaned and bitched about the late hits for a month. And a lot of us as Gators took that as like, come on, coach. All right, enough on that. Enough on that. But it was his brilliance. He was taking all the pressure off of his guys and putting right. it on him because all the national media was like, okay, Spurrier's gone too far. He just because he just kept hammering on that Bobby and Mickey were dirty. And it was just brilliance because it took the pressure off his guys. And they played loose and free. Um, with this, now we do have one personnel factor, kind of like the O-line. Mechie's out. Mechie's right. out. And that's a big deal. But I don't think it's enough. But, yeah, like sometimes the revenge angle can go. But I, I'm going to say no, but I get where you're going with that. And there have been many other examples of the revenge game where I, I get what you're saying. But um, the, the quarterback edge and QB edges, I don't think they're edges. I think their major advantages outweigh that to me. Voice of Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com. He is a senior handicapper, Vegas insider to get all of his insight and picks there. And Brian was all over Alabama in the Cincinnati game in the first half line and Alabama covering, et cetera, and was all over the Georgia total. Now he is swinging the same way that I'm swinging towards Alabama as an underdog in this game. Just one more time. Give me the one or two reasons why you were on the tide for Monday night, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. What does it come down to, to to have you believing in Alabama and another Saban championship? Stetson Bennett has faced Alabama twice uh, in Tuscaloosa last year in Atlanta, you know, a month ago. He's thrown five interceptions in those two games. Bryce Young has a 46 to 5 TDINT ratio, uh, three rushing touchdowns, and Okay, so Bama was an underdog last uh, game by six and a half or seven. They won by 24, so they beat the closing line. Or no, I'm sorry, they won by 17, 41-24. So they beat the closing line by 24. The time before that, they were an underdogs 2015 in Athens. They won 38 to 10. It's like a one or two point or one point dog, one and a half. Um, time before that, they were an underdog. It was 2009. Georgia right. Dumb, I was there, 32-13 to 13 against Florida as a five- or six-point dog. Um, as underdogs, Alabama's pretty good. Uh, do you believe, just on that point, that Nick Saban is hammering that home? Does he have to hammer that home with a veteran team, a Heisman Trophy winner? They won the first game of, hey, they still don't believe in you. They still doubt us. A lot of coaches will use that kind of psychology. Do you believe Saban, speculate, is using that leading up to this game? 
probably a little bit, probably not as much as the last one in Atlanta, just because they were off such a bad performance against Auburn. Uh, I don't know. Saban's the, uh, he is one and three straight up and, Oh, and four against the spread against Spurrier, a combined score of 140 to 54. But Saban is still the best. So I don't want to, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm sure it's the right thing. He was great against everybody else. And uh, again, he's owned Kirby Smart. We're going to talk about this more with Ryan Fowler. When you go back to the uh, the college football playoff walk-off overtime title win, the SEC title game the next year with Jalen Hurts off the bench to win that one. When you talk about the SEC title win this year, on and on. Uh, he's tested and has has pulled through. Okay. Hey, one so, last thing with you, yeah. TJ. One last thing with you. Like, so, and this is where we'll know if Saban's in Kirby's head, is if they fall behind and, and steps and struggles early, does he have, you know, he didn't he didn't get in that situation with Michigan. And I, I think he probably was going to have a quick trigger with Bennett. That's where we'll see if he yanks him for JT Daniels. And how does JT Daniels respond? I mean, maybe it would be a good move. Maybe it won't. Who knows? We'll see. We'll find out. It's another good point to make. And we got plenty of days to lead to Monday as we're releasing Three Dog Thursday and heading to the weekend and Monday night's game at Lucas Oil Stadium. Plug away on how they get all of your content through Major Wager, all of your picks, your social media. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Vegas uh, B Edwards. You can find all my picks on VegasInsider.com, uh, NBA, college basketball, uh, content on MajorWager.com. Happy New Year, TJ. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's hope the underdog comes through Monday night. We're both believing in Alabama and another Saban championship. We'll see. Brian, thank you. More on the NFL Crazy Weekend. My buddy Joe Lisi coming up that had the mega teaser with the crazy parlay uh, that he pulled off this weekend. All of that still to come. But first, we're brought to you in part by WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is here for you. And it's now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They're bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards, everything right at your fingertips. Get all of the best plays for the college football wrapping up. The NFL, obviously down the home stretch of the regular season and the playoffs coming up. They've got the NBA, the NHL, anything that you want with WinBet. And WinBet now has some brand new bonuses. Bet $5 to win $400 in the free bets contest that they have. That includes getting a VIP trip to Shaquille O'Neal's Fun House in Los Angeles. That's right. You bet $20 on WinBet's Build Your Own Bet feature, and you earn a chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime VIP experience for the big game. You and three guests get to go to Shaq's Fun House Two nights at Win Las Vegas, a $5,000 free bet at Win uh, Las Vegas Sportsbook, and a $5,000 travel credit. All is part of this contest. They have great promos like this going on, and all you got to do is go to WinBet and their app, sign up and be able to do it. The odds, the payouts, it's all happening at WinBet. Boosted parlays, live in-game odds, every major sport, everything you need. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get a risk-free $1,000 sports bet with WinBet. Go to WinBet.com, download the WinBet app, and again, take care of business. It's all happening with WinBet and the VIP trip to Shaq's Funhouse in L.A. for the big game is available. Find out more at WinBet.com and the WinBet app. Brought to you in part by SoBet. Since when is sports betting supposed to be so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. 
When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around at a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account and find out for yourself. Fully functioning, free web application. You can access a demo of their app that will launch next fall. That app includes consensus lines from Las Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via a text, a QR code, or links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time that you're going to be out with your friends watching sports, turn it up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off the Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing the metric if they want, as long as somebody's on the other side to accept it. Let's go back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io and join the revolution. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit for PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. For example, this week, Derek from Colorado purchased a Georgia College Football Championship game ticket on PropSwap at the odds of minus 120. That's a huge discount compared to the sports books who currently have the dogs at minus 150. The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. The fantasy season might be over, but the action is still coming on Better Fantasy's app. Download their free-to-play app today and bet on player props for the NFL playoffs. You can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way, too. It's totally free to play. You'll earn better credits by competing in challenges and using them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide and in all 50 states. Download the app today at betterfantasy.com SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, betterfantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. 
As we do roll on in the new year here, I love getting the chance to talk with this guy whenever I get a chance to on and off the air because he is constantly making these exotic multi-team wagers, uh, parlays, and he hits them regularly. And I'm not talking about three teams or four teams. I'm talking about he regularly hits eight-team, 10-team, 12-team mega teaser parlays and whatever. My man, Joe Lisi, who I met some 20 years ago in the Tampa Bay area, who is literally a nuclear engineer. So everybody settle down on what you think you know, because this guy that's coming on Three Dog Thursday does know a thing or two about numbers, facts, figures, uh, nuclear energy, things like that. Joe Lisi, how you been? Happy New Year. Good to have you back. I'm great, TJ, and my 2022 has gotten off to a pretty darn good start. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's cover this because I made mention of it earlier in the show. You and I have been in constant communication because you had a a futures bet preseason on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win 12 games or more. 11 and a half was the prop. You took the over 12 games or more in the 17 game season. So you've been constantly checking in with, I got to get another win. I got to get another win. Now it's down to the final couple of weeks. And I heard from you relentlessly. I heard from you more than I heard from my wife. And that's saying something. Got to get a win against the Jets because it's a 12th win and it covers the futures bet. So we should put that out there like right away. You've been all over me on the Bucks future bet. And what did you bet to win what on the defending Super Bowl champions to win at least 12 games? Around the 4th of July, when I was in Atlantic City, you had to lay 130 to win 100, meaning if you bet 130, you get 230 back. So I'm betting 1,300 to get 2,300 back <laughs> on the <laughs> premise that Tom, Tom Brady will not get hurt, pretty much. Right, and right. I bet it again and again. And the more I bet it, the more confident I felt looking at their schedule. And so I had about 10 or 12 of those bets working for me. So uh, uh, in and around the 12th win, getting over 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Over 11 and a half. <laughs> you had how many bets? I didn't even realize it was yeah. multiple bets. I thought it was just well, like one big bet. I kept going back. Either it was to Atlantic City or in Philly at Tilly Live, the casino right by the sports right. stadiums. And because I was up there at 4th of July and I was back there in August. And the more I bet it, the more cocky or confident, I guess I felt that Tom Brady wouldn't get hurt. Okay. So, so. that's good except for the fact that we get down to the stretch run and the Bucs lose the game uh, with the Saints late in the year, and are they going to get to 12 wins? So let's go to Sunday. And this is interesting for two reasons, because you're texting me because you have been on vacation in the mountains of, uh, what would it be, lower North Carolina, North Georgia, right across the Georgia-North Carolina border of North Georgia is Murphy, North Carolina. Beautiful part of the, of the country, in the south, in the mountains, and suddenly my man Lisi is hitting me up on, on watching the Bucks game. And you found a sports book in Murphy, North Carolina. So give me the intel on that, and then we'll get into the wagers you have. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's a Harris Casino, River Valley, I think it's called, in Murphy, North Carolina. Why, I do not know, but it's a full Caesars, Harris, whatever, sports uh, casino with a sports book. And they have sports betting. So here I am. I get to watch the Buccaneers go for number 12 live as they sit on 11 wins playing the lowly jets thinking there's no way they can mess this up yeah that that kind of leads into everything you and i were thinking that and every other buccaneer fan and observer was thinking <laughs> that too but again this is indian land cherokee indian land i think that they have the casino yeah. that's there you're hanging there in the sports book 
and you're watching all the games, and I should mention up front because this is going to come up in the conversation a couple of times, the Eagles are Joe's team, as he was mentioning Philadelphia and being up in that area. So you're watching the Eagles first and foremost in the game with Washington because the Eagles very much have to win to make the playoffs. But the Jets suddenly lead 7-0. They lead 14-7. They lead into the second half. Are, are you at this point ready to curse at me, curse at Tom Brady, curse at Bruce Arians that they're going to blow this game to the Jets and put everything on week 17 for your bet of, uh, of over 11 and a half season long wins? Right. I was thinking, okay, they still have Carolina at home. Maybe that that's my fallback for win number 12 because they weren't looking good from the get go against the Jets. So I'm rooting for them just to win the game to get my 12th win but in combination with that, there were eight early Sunday games, and I bet what's called a mega teaser, all eight <laughs> Sunday games, where you move the spread as much as 10 points. And most of the games were not even close point spread wise. And, you know, I'm sweating a little bit with the Rams and the Ravens and the Eagles and Washington, but the, I, I had seven in the bag and it came down to the Buccaneers and I got the Buccaneers minus three and a half, not 13 and a half, the real spread minus okay, three so and a half. Let's clarify again. You had to bet eight teams to do this and you could move the spread. How much, whichever way you wanted, you could move it up to 10, nine, points, or, nine, or, nine, 10? Or, nine or 10 points. Yeah. So if you wanted the jets, you could have got 22 and a half. If you wanted the bucks, it was minus three and a half. So I wow. took the bucks minus three and a half. So here we are. <laughs> a minute 40 or whatever to go. They're on their own 10 yard line and they got to go 90 yards, but it's Tom Brady. Now I'm looking at 12 wins to win and minus three and a half, but it's 24 to 20. So I, I know and it's a final minute and a half, but time out here. You've gotten the first seven right because the Rams have come back and beaten the Ravens you've covered. So you're seven for seven. So you laid what to win what if you get this eighth game in the mega teaser? What did you, what did you put out? 200 to get 1900 back. <laughs> That is a tremendous return uh, that's coming on this. And so uh, take me through it because, you know, I was on the sideline for all the mayhem, as I described earlier with Antonio Brown melting down and leaving. And now the Bucs are rallying in the final minute without a timeout. Did the sports book erupt? Did you erupt? Because this was double whammy. This was Buccaneers to cover for the 18 mega teaser. And this is the 12th win, Joe. Right. And, but I'm watching all eight at once, but I don't have the sound for the Bucks game. So I, cause they piped in the Tennessee Miami sound, but you know, of course, all eight games because that game was screens. so close in the fourth quarter, that game's 34 yeah. to three. Of course, that's the sound you want up for that game. Of course. So the Bucks, they cross midfield and they're going and it looks like Tom Brady's going to do his thing. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get my 12, but I'm greedy as you know, most gamblers are. But I'm thinking, okay, they're down 24-20. They get a touchdown. It's 26-24. They kick the extra point, 27-24. I'm giving three and a half. There's no way I can win. And son of a gun, they get down there. What was it, 15 seconds ago, they get the touchdown. And now I'm watching a screen with no sound, and I'm seeing Tom Brady still on the field. And I'm thinking, why isn't suck up on the field? Why aren't they kicking right, the extra kick, point? To kick, right, right. Yeah, and like, maybe suck up pulled a hamstring. Maybe, I don't know. They're not kicking extra point. It's like, this is great. They're going to go for two. And they make it. Now it's 28-24, and minus three and a half looks pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, so you have been asking me for a couple of days, why in the world would they not kick the extra point and just be up by three? The two best explanations that I can give here, and I did not get this directly from Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich on the strategy, but the two best explanations are they were probably concerned that on an extra point from back at about the 22-yard line or whatever it is, that it could be blocked and if the Jets run it the other way for two points, the game is now tied. So they're concerned about that, just playing out all eventual possibilities. 
So now they put the ball on the one yard line and say, Hey, a low risk handoff here. They're not likely to pick up a fumble and run 99 yards the other way. And if we get the two, it's a bonus. Now, the other crazy thing is if you don't get it, you're now down by two and a field goal can beat you. But I think the other thing is they were so confident in the jets being shell shocked and rattled. They're like, if they're not going to take a timeout and stop us, just go right up here and run for run for the one yard and get the extra uh, point in here to make it 28-24 for the Buccaneers. Now a field goal does not help you. Now they have to have a touchdown. I really believe the circumstance dictated to them, the, the Jets are toast mentally. Let's go take advantage of that and make sure they can't help themselves with a field goal. Do you buy that, Joe Lisi, master, better, and prognosticator? I buy it to the tune of $1,900, TJ. Let's just yes, say that. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Because winning, and they by, got four their 12th win. covers, winning by four covers three and a half, which at which point did you stand up and start jumping up and down like a cheerleader? Like, yes, yes. I think there, there were several in the there were several in the sports book who had the minus three and a half, I could tell, because there was an eruption when we realized they were going for two. And then when I saw Suckup kick off after that, that was really – confused because I knew the kicker wasn't hurt, but I, that's when I started texting you. I, I'm happy. I don't know why they did that, but I'm, you have bad beats. You have good beats. That was the best beat I ever had. And so again, a double whammy for Joe Lisi with us for just a few more moments on three dog Thursday, because you not only got the eight team mega teaser, which included your Eagles it included the Rams it included the Titans and laying those points, all the, all the early games uh, that were going on all over the NFL, including Cincinnati, you had Cincinnati and what they roared from behind and won the game. What did you have in that 14 Cincinnati chiefs? Cincinnati plus 14 and a half. So you were golden even if it just stayed close yeah. and they, they went ahead and won the game. And it came down to the Buccaneers winning with the Jets. And you got a futures play on the Bucks over 11 and a half wins. So there was significant money, obviously, riding on that for you. You weren't done, though. This is what I love about you because you also had another ticket brewing that involved Michigan State in the Peach Bowl. It involved your Eagles and it involved the Steelers on Monday night. Do tell. Give me more, including what you laid out and then what you ended up winning when the Steelers won that game Monday night. It was a three-team, what's called a money line parlay. A money line is where there's no points involved. The team you pick just has to win the game. So I had Michigan State in the Peach Bowl, and they beat Pitt 31-21. And I had parlayed that with the Eagles on Sunday against Washington. They won 20-16 to when they intercepted the pass in the end zone with less than a minute to go. So now I need the Steelers on Monday night football at home against the Browns. <laughs> and they were a three-and-a-half-point underdog originally. And then on Sunday, the Browns were eliminated from playoff contention. So by Monday, the Steelers were now a two and a half point favorite. And I just need them to win. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, I got the Steelers even. I could take the Browns plus two and a half and assure myself of some win. But after watching a two point conversion and all the other things that went my way, I said, <laughs> I'll just let it ride. So you did the not bet. hedge. You did not hedge did Monday not. night with the Browns. Did not. Not after what happened on Sunday. I let the $500 bet on those three teams go. Steelers win, and that $500 piece of paper is now worth $3,200. My man, my, <laughs> you're buying lunch the next time that I'm around Joe Lisi here as part of the Three Dog Thursday <laughs> podcast with cashing these tickets. Before you get out of here, uh, as we release the podcast on Thursday, the Eagles, the E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, 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 uh, they are playing those dreaded Dallas Cowboys. We know that the Eagles know that they are in. 
uh, for the NFC playoff picture. We know the Eagles right now had COVID-19 issues that could be resolved by Saturday. They could get some or most of these guys back. So as you handicap this, the line has now gone up to seven for Dallas. It opened at three and a half. It's gone up to seven. Are you interested in the Eagles for three dog Thursday purposes, even though they can't really help themselves playoff wise? I don't think the scenarios have got to play out. What do do you think about this? I think there's just too much uncertainty who's going to play, who isn't going to play. And that was tough this weekend, last couple of weeks with COVID and the NFL, like Carson Wentz, we didn't know until Sunday morning, he got cleared and he was going to play against the Raiders. Um, now I don't, and there's a good possibility the Eagles could come to Tampa in that first, uh, in wildcard weekend. So I'll just leave it alone, sit back and be a casual observer this week. And again, you wonder how hard they go here because Dallas is basically going to be the four seed. It looks like. And so, uh, the Eagles are basically, I, I believe the, uh, the Eagles are locked in at six. Uh, because the either the 49ers or the Saints are going to be the seventh team. So, again, Philadelphia does not have a lot to play for here in right. this game on Saturday with Dallas. We will, uh, we will find out how that goes. Listen, I always love talking with you. Uh, please tell me that we will do this again if you have another mega teaser rolling for the NFL playoffs, the wild card weekend, because we got six games on the wild card weekend or something else. These are fantastic stories. You've been telling me stories like this for about 20 years, and I love going to you on the Three Dog Thursday podcast with, with, uh, with more of them. Did you have fun? Did we have fun again here <laughs> chopping it up? And do I at least get partial credit for getting the Bucks across the threshold in a 12th win in the regular season for Joe Lisi's yeah. play? Partial credit might get you a free lunch, TJ. <laughs> might need to do might need to do that at some point. I am. Uh, let me say, I am making the money run to Philly on Saturday the fifteenth, going up and back that day to Philly and Atlantic City, which happens to be the opening of Wild Card Weekend. So there will be some betting occurring on that. There'll be Saturday. more betting. So you're going up to cash tickets that you actually have in person. And then you're also perhaps putting some of that back in on some games this weekend. We'll check back with an update on how all of this goes. Listen, thank you. A treat to have you again on Three Dog Thursday. Congrats with all the plays, including an eight-game mega teaser, Three Dog Thursday audience, that comes through with my Buccaneers being the last puzzle piece on that uh, eight-game mega teaser with the comeback against the Jets. And it's a double whammy because Joe got his 12th win from the Buccaneers, too, for the futures bet. It's all good with the Bucs. Uh, with this. Joe Lisi, thank you. I appreciate you hopping aboard. Great stuff as always. Thank you, TJ. Always a pleasure. Time to get some more insight on the pending college football playoff championship game. Indianapolis's Lucas Oil Stadium for Monday night after the NFL concludes its regular season with the mayhem of week 18 in the games uh, this weekend. It is time for Alabama and Georgia. It's an all SEC invitational championship game. And who better to give me more insight? I love going to this guy. Uh, whenever I get the chance to talk about the tide, he is the host of the game, the radio show in Tuscaloosa, 100.9 FM tide FM uh, in Tuscaloosa, Ryan Fowler back aboard on three dog Thursday. Happy new year, my friend. Uh, always good to be with you. And it seems like every time that we're talking, we're talking about Alabama in the playoff or in the championship game. Here we are again in 2022. Good to have you with me. It's good to be on TJ. It's uh, good to be able to talk about uh, this Alabama team. When you look at this team, uh, they've not been Nick Saban's best teams, but at the end of the day, they're still standing. Now, you know, we could probably get into, you know, a 30 minute conversation of all those teams that did not take advantage of maybe a down year for Alabama. But, uh, 
hey, Alabama's still standing. At the end of the day, that's where you want to be, one of the final two teams in the national championship game. No doubt. A down year for Alabama where they're 13-1 and one and playing in the title game. And you know this because I was around you for a couple of the games on national radio uh, this year in Tuscaloosa doing them for Compass Media. One with Steve Berline, one with Tiki Barber, the Ole Miss win, the LSU win. You got to give this team a lot of credit for continuing to persevere. Uh, they were they were being shut out, losing at Auburn, and then and then there's no shot at the playoff if if that happens. Uh, but instead, they rally in the final minute, get the Auburn game tied, win the Auburn game in the overtime, and then get to the SEC championship game. And Ryan Fowler, I want your insight here. Why was Alabama so decisively good in the first matchup with Georgia? What stands out when you go back, reflect, and look at that game? Why did the Tide have so much success against the previously unbeaten number one Georgia? You know, a lot of coordinators and a lot of coaches will do what they do. And I think Alabama does that to an extent. But I think one thing that you look back and you, you cover the NFL. I don't know if you hear this phrase as often as I do, but take what the defense will give you. Take what the defense will give you. They're always going to give you something. It's your job as a coordinator and a quarterback to find that. I think Alabama, looking back at Cincinnati, uh, look at the rushing attack. We haven't seen that in a, in a really couple of years that they've been dedicated to running the football. Go back to the Georgia championship game. I think they thought they could make some money in the back end of that secondary. I think they thought that they could find a way to expose those guys that they had not been tested, and they, they gambled correctly when you look at Alabama. They went after something uh, that I don't think you could fix, and I think it'll be a big part of the game coming up on Monday night, but I think Alabama went after that secondary. I think the offensive line uh, rose to the occasion of playing that front seven. We'd heard all about, you know, how Georgia's front seven was going to just absolutely dominate. And based on the previous 12 regular season games, I was right there with everybody talking about the offensive line. I mean, when you look at every position, uh, it, it seems like Evan Neal's been pretty consistent. Uh, Cohen has had some consistency. I think uh, when you look at graded out, those guys are probably one and two. But the other three guys have been like a roller coaster. And to think about a guy getting his first start, slop, you know, slowing down and stopping Jordan Davis, one of the best defensive players out there. I mean, who would have predicted first start and you get that type of challenge? So the credit to the offensive line and credit to the coordinators for taking what the defense is willing to give up. Good stuff. And again, in the case of Bill O'Brien, he's a former NFL head coach. He's a former Penn State head coach. He's a former NFL coordinator making the adjustment. And I agree with you that the, the great coaches, Nick Saban deserves credit for this too on the game plan, can win many different ways. And they looked at Cincinnati, obviously, in the semifinal and said, we're going to line up and smash them with the run game until they can stop it. And they never did with Brian Robinson. Hey, say something about Brian Robinson. So much attention around uh, Bryce Young, rightfully so, very heralded out of California, wins the Heisman Trophy, getting all the accolades, all the national attention. Brian Robinson, local kid from around Tuscaloosa, very workmanlike, waiting for his shot, waiting for his opportunity. Just speak more to him delivering here in, in that big stage in the semifinal, what kind of kid he is because you're around him, et cetera. Give me more on him. Well, he's, he's no doubt a big-time leader, and he leads by example. Uh, I think, you know, when you look right now at transfer portal and everything that's happening in college football, and you, you have to ask the question, uh, if we would have made it so deep transfer and be eligible immediately, 
know, what about Ryan Robinson stay around? I, I say yes because I've watched him just be patient. But I go back to the game that we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, and I'm going to give you a little inside here. Uh, and, and I don't like to reveal a lot of injuries because injuries will get you in a courtroom. Uh, in, in the current time, if you report an incorrect injury because it impacts their draft status. But go back to the injury going into that SEC championship game. There was a lot of questions. Uh, would Brian Robinson be able to go the injury Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Did very limited things on Thursday. I mean, very limited things going into that SEC championship game on Saturday. So Brian Robinson was a warrior. And it wasn't just you know his running ability. It's picking up the pressure that Georgia was going to try to throw. And if you remember, no sacks for Bryce Young. Brian Robinson was a key. Let's just fast forward to uh, the Cincinnati game. A different role. Now he's asked to be that, you know, once again, a warrior top mentality. And I think going into the SEC championship game, excuse me, the national championship game, you got to got Georgia guessing a little bit. You've got a little balance here. you got your offensive line playing much better, rushing attack cranked up, which they did not have in the SEC championship game. Passing attack, yeah, without John Mechie, they'll see exactly where that gets back on rhythm. But a balanced attack is how you attack a great defense, and Georgia has one of those. Voice of Ryan Fowler, you find him on social media, on Twitter at Ryan C. Fowler. The show is called The Game, Tide 100.9 FM. Uh, does a great job as the afternoon host and has for many, many years on that station. Ryan will be on location at the matchup with Georgia and Alabama, the rematch, the grudge match for the national title, Lucas Oil Stadium on Monday night. Let's pick right back up on that point. A lot of people would look at this and say Georgia's in a perfect position to get revenge. Look at what they did to Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. I am of the belief, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show and we're buds and media buds. I believe Alabama is winning this rematch. I may be proven wrong, but I'm not going against Nick Saban in the title game uh, here after what I saw in game one. I think he's got enough defensively. I think he'll have a couple of things up his sleeve with Bryce Young, et cetera. Jamison uh, Williams, the explosive receiver. I think Alabama gets this done. That being said, how much credence do you put in the Georgia revenge motivation factor for them to be better, for Stetson Bennett to be better, for their secondary to be better? How much do you uh, put on that, Ryan? All right, so I'm going to pick your brain for for just a couple of minutes here, okay? I I look at Stetson Bennett. I don't think uh, Stetson Bennett can replicate the performance that he threw up against Alabama. I mean, look look at that for a couple of minutes, okay? Look, Look at that. I mean, look at that was a career day for him now you also have to understand and put it in context that Georgia was behind they were trying to catch up with Alabama and they were almost trying to force uh, to be something that they're not and and they asked him to throw the football a lot a lot now he did have the two picks but he had three touchdowns they were able to use Bowers against that tight end but to to me I don't know if you can ask Stetson Bennett to be that type of performance that he threw up against the SEC championship game. With that being said, I also think that Georgia was going to get that rushing attack cranked up. Now, will there be money to be made there? Um, I I think because they're going to have so much attention on slowing down Bowers. He killed them uh, in in that game as far as, you know, receiving, and, and they're going to be focused on that. But I think this defense is really playing good. And I've been a big critic of Pete Golding. I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I, I try not to sugarcoat it. I just try to tell you what I see. Uh, Pete Golding has had some 
really good games throughout the month of November. And, and I think when you look back at this defense, I mean, look back at the Auburn game. Without the defense, I don't think Alabama's in this position uh, sure. of winning the SEC championship game. And you got to give credit to the defensive side of the football. So I don't see – I think Alabama's defense is close enough that it's almost just a just – a, uh, you know, even when you look at Alabama's defense, Georgia's defense, and currently the way that they're playing. But I think the real big edge goes to Alabama offensively. I just think they're a better team offensively. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me that Nick Saban has been working on Georgia, you know, for several uh, days going into this, you know, Cincinnati week. And, you know, he didn't go out there and say, hey, guys, we're going to work on uh, Georgia. Uh, but I think, you know, incorporated some, try to get some work in and, I think that's where Nick Saban. But, TJ, i got to pick your brain here for a minute, sure. okay? You're in the NFL, okay? You you, you cover the NFL, and I, I don't even know the number of years that you've been around uh, the league. How, how many how many years have you been around the plus. NFL? 25 plus. It's 25 God, plus at this point, fine. brother. I'm getting old. I'm uh, getting old. See, but you show your you, – I mean, your age doesn't show that, right? I mean, I, I would have – uh, I mean, I would think that you and you I would have taken the under on that one, huh? You would have taken the under. I like that. Yeah, yeah, That's why I keep yeah, you yeah. I mean, I well, I mean, I think you and I are probably pretty close to the same age. At least I think we are. Um, but TJ, when when you can look at the NFL, let's say that you play the double games, that you play the opponents twice. How many times do you see uh, good teams? Good teams. In other words, not bad team versus good team or mediocre team versus great team. But two great teams, where they usually split the regular season. Do you see that more often than, sure. than not? Yes, okay. because because they make corrections, et cetera. And and again, rematches are rare in college football, which is what your point is. They're very common in the NFL because when you're playing your division, you're rematching a guarantee of three teams. And then a lot of times in the postseason, it ends up maybe even being a third matchup with the same team or a rematch with somebody that you've already played. Example, for the Buccaneers right now, in this whole scenario, in this whole chase for the NFC playoffs, they may end up playing the New Orleans Saints. If the Saints qualify for the playoffs, that would be a third time to play them. They may also end up playing the Los Angeles Rams or the Dallas Cowboys, who they've already played to this year. Beat the Cowboys, lost to the Rams. So your your point is you will get the second chance, uh, and in the NFL, they, they are ready for revenge. They're ready for that matchup. And a lot of times the, the rematch goes to the team that's more motivated that got beat the first time around, which is kind of what you're implying there with that. And so well, here we are with Monday night with Georgia in that position. I know that's what you're getting at. Okay. So my question is, is I, I know that Kirby was down in Miami. He spent some time in the NFL, but Nick Saban, that's where his roots come from. That that's where he learned how to be a, a master. I give Nick Saban the advantage on this because of those NFL uh, replica games, uh, finding your weaknesses and, and correcting those I just don't know how much George is going to be able to correct. Yeah, they're going to have a different level of motivation. But I think 15 minutes out of the end of the game, talent takes over. And it's not about the uh, the psychological. It is about the psychological, but it's not about that's going to determine the outcome of this game. And, and I guess that's my reason that I like Alabama. But I think at this point, if you stop right now, 15 years in Tuscaloosa, this is Nick Saban's best coaching job, and I just don't think that should be overlooked. I know it's getting there because it's just Alabama automatic, always in the championship game. 
But, man, this team has went through some adversity, whether we're talking about injuries or just losing all those NFL picks, trying to core leadership. So I like Alabama to win the game, and it's it's close. Uh, I had the game 24 to 21 the last time. Uh, when you look at the SEC championship game, I, I'm going to go right back with that same score, 24-21. Somehow, some way, Alabama uh, wins the game up at Indiana. Interesting uh, about the rematch. Interesting that Nick Saban has had so much success head-to-head with Kirby Smart. You go back to the college football playoff walk-off overtime touchdown by Tua Tonga Vailoa to Devontae Smith to beat Georgia. The next year, they follow it up in an SEC title game comeback win with Jalen Hurts coming off the bench because Tua's injured in the title game, in the SEC title game. He leads them back over Georgia. You look at the regular season win in Tuscaloosa a year ago where they dominated the second half and won the game. And I did that game. I was there with you in Tuscaloosa, did that game with Tiki Barber on national radio in October of 2020 in the crazy COVID year. And now you fast forward to the SEC title game 2021, right back at Mercedes-Benz Stadium again, a house of horrors for Kirby Smart against Nick Saban, it seems like. He got the better of him again. How can you go against this? I know Saban's not playing. I know Kirby Smart's not playing. But in the X and O chess match and the in-game adjustments, I don't uh, give me the points and give me Alabama to win this game on Monday. One more for you. Uh, The game is not regionally in the South. It is now in the upper Midwest. What, if any, relevance is that for Alabama fan traveling and and how jacked do you think it's going to be with these two Southern teams playing in Indianapolis here with the understanding that I know Alabama played Clemson, for example, all the way out in Santa Clara, California at the 49er Stadium, and you were there for that in the Clemson blowout win. But it's a little different, a little interesting that the the championship game is in Indianapolis for these two Southern teams. What, if anything, do you make of that getting ready for Monday? Yeah, and and I know they're trying to spread it out, but I don't really know how appealing. I remember getting off of the the bus or maybe it was the Uber and you get off in uh, Santa Clara and you're, you're leaving the airport uh, there in Santa, uh, San Jose and you, you're making your way. And when you check in, they have no clue. I mean, we're talking about the media hotel. They had no clue while we were there. They, they, they really, <laughs> they didn't understand it. And I, I Indiana is going to have a better understanding than Santa Clara. Santa Clara was just an awful location. I mean, it, it just not was not embraced for, you know, Clemson, Alabama going all the way across the, uh, the country, but I think it'll be more. But you know, just keep in mind, Alabama fans have mortgaged the the farm. They've spent the college education fund, uh, retirement fund. I mean, do you realize how much money that it, it sh- you know that you have to spend to travel and and, sure. and watch Alabama or any college football? And that's the part that we we need to have a conversation about. Really, is uh, pricing out the average fan because I think they've certainly done that with these face value tickets. Uh, look at a hotel up at Indy this weekend, seven, eight hundred bucks, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big game. It's a big game. But, um, you know, it's it's, it's quite, uh, you know, expensive when you talk about traveling around and following well, Alabama's championship. To run. your point, a lot of those fans were just in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl trying to get the win in, in, in the Cincinnati game. And some of them had to make the decision. Do we go to the semifinal game at the exclusion of having the money, the disposable income left over to try to travel, fly and stay uh, and go and buy game tickets and eat and everything else in Indianapolis. You're exactly right with how they're doing this. 
uh, as opposed to using the traditional bowl games, et cetera. They're playing the one extra game now in the playoff. All right, fair enough. Let's see what happens again. Ryan Fowler is going to be talking all about it as we release the podcast on Thursday. He's talking all about it through the weekend, Thursday, Friday, and even on Monday, all the way to a Monday championship game as Nick Saban goes for his 973rd national title. Okay, I made that number up. If Alabama can get it again against Georgia, I always love talking with you. Have a blast covering this, talking about it, and let's see if it's roll tide again for back-to-back national championships. We're going to find out. Ryan Fowler, thank you. I appreciate you uh, hopping on on Three Dog Thursday. Always love the insight, and I love the conversation. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for uh, uh, having me, and uh, we'll, we'll be excited to recap this in the future. Thank you, TJ. And he is here once more. Love the inside of the doctor. We get to say Happy New Year and bring him back on. He has owned Three Dog Thursday throughout the year. The good news is he will not be taking the Washington football team who have burned him the last couple of times that he's taken them. But other than that, you've been phenomenal. You had at one point picked 11 out of 12 successful underdogs on this show. Good to have T.C. Martin of the T.C. Martin Show five days a week in Vegas back aboard on Three Dog Thursday. Happy New Year. Happy final weekend of the NFL regular season. Happy championship game of the college football playoff, Alabama and Georgia that we've been talking a bunch about. I know you're going over all of this on your own show. Good to have you on the podcast for a few minutes, sir. Hey, great to be back. Like I said, very, very busy weekend, exciting weekend. It's going to culminate with the national championship game on Monday. We'll see if Georgia can finally beat Alabama. And uh, Georgia clocking in as a two and a half or a three point favorite as well, too. So looking forward to that. And will we not have a blowout for a change in a championship game? We will find out. Of course, the last time these two teams played, I was right there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the the coming out of Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the second half in the overtime, throwing the game-winning overtime touchdown, the walk-off touchdown. And again, I'm sure they're going to show it. Doctor, uh, I was on the near sideline at about the 15-yard line when the touchdown happened with everybody down there because the media had come down there uh, in the overtime. And here they all came. Devontae Smith's running towards me. Here they, And I thought I was going to be part of the Alabama celebration pile and fearing for my safety in that moment. I don't know that we get something that exciting Monday. We will see. That's all the way to Monday. We've talked a lot about the college. I've got the doctor here to talk some NFL real quick. You are in Vegas and the only game this weekend of Week 18, the 17th game, that is win and you're in, lose and you're gone, is the Raiders and the Chargers. It is the Sunday night game on NBC. The Raiders fresh off a great performance in Indianapolis to win. The Chargers have looked good down the stretch at the end of the regular season here as well. This is fascinating. Two old-school, 60-year-plus rivals from the old AFL. Somebody's in, somebody's out. Doctor, tell me more about this one. Like you said, it's uh, it's winner go home, basically loser leave town match over the top rope battle royal. That's <laughs> it's plain and simple. And you know, four weeks ago, we didn't think uh, the the Raiders would actually be in this position, but uh, they fought back very nicely. Now, be it you know they beat a decimated Cleveland Browns team, which they were expected to win in Cleveland, and they did, but barely. Then they had the Denver Broncos with a Drew Locke team that came in here to Allegiant Stadium, and so the Raiders took care of business there. So the big question mark was, how would the Raiders fare in Indianapolis? Because that was the game that everyone circled on the calendar, like this is probably going to be the end of the season. But of course, with the Carson Wentz situation where he didn't practice all week, they didn't know if he was going to play because of COVID, and the Raiders had their own issues. Bottom line is the Raiders showed up big. They played with a lot of heart. They played with a lot of intensity. And Carson Wentz was downright awful. And uh, that week off where he didn't get a chance to practice 
with his team definitely showed up. Uh, Raiders played well, even though Derek Carr had the two interceptions. He was able to improvise, and thank goodness for Hunter Renfro. Uh, yep. Hunter Renfro always seems to be big uh, in the month of uh, December or January, right, going back to his days at Clemson. But uh, the Raiders are alive, and uh, that is really the narrative right now that many people didn't think they would be alive at this point in time. And going back four or five weeks ago, we had this date circle in the calendar that said, hey, wouldn't it be cool – if uh, the Raiders and Chargers played for the right to get into the postseason. You got to remember, for the Raiders, first time in five years uh, that they could actually be in the playoffs. You know, second time in 20 years that they could be in the playoffs. So this is a big deal here, and uh, they do have home field advantage. However, T.J. Reeves, I will remind you that home field advantage has not been kind to the Raiders since they moved into Allegiant Stadium. Last year, be it no fans, they were 2-6. and six. This year, they're 4-4. Four and four, and really have not played that well at home. The last time they played well at home was against the Philadelphia Eagles, which seems like a lifetime ago. And you got to go back to the opening night game, the Monday night football game against the Baltimore Ravens when uh, that place was electric. And that place has not been electric, you know, since that time in September. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out uh, on Sunday. Like you mentioned, it's prime time. It is the game of the week. And uh, Raider fans are hoping that they can get a victory here. But oddly enough, the Chargers are the road favorite. Yeah, that is for Three Dog Thursday purposes. And I'm liking this spot. The two teams did play earlier this year, obviously, in Los Angeles in the first week in October. And the Chargers won for what that's uh, worth. And uh, you mentioned it's been quirky. It's been weird. The Raiders lost six of seven at one point before going on this three-game win streak. And then they come back now and win two games on the road against teams in playoff contention. They help eliminate the Browns with a win in Cleveland just before Christmas. That game had been delayed by COVID-19 and was pushed all the way uh, to the Monday before Christmas. And then they go and beat Indianapolis, who very much was still alive to win the AFC South. you got to give Rich Basaccia as the interim coach credit, car credit. Uh, they, they deserve a lot of credit to put themselves in this position, and I think they'll push it across the finish line here and find a way to win. Josh Jacobs has run it pretty well, um, and I, I think they will uh, make enough plays here on Sunday Night Football. I just wonder one more point on this. Uh, you mentioned electric in the building, et cetera. We're not quite to the weekend. It is a Sunday night game. How tough a ticket are you hearing this might be because it's a shot at the playoffs in Vegas when no fans could be there a year ago? What, what is the speculation? Well, here's the thing. You know, it, it really hasn't been that tough of a ticket to get into the Raiders game at all this year because of the vaccination policies. You have to be vaccinated to get in. So that has uh, kept uh, some people away. Believe it or not, there has been empty seats for, for all of these games. And again, the Chargers are not really a marquee opponent, but again, you know, with the situation that builds it up where it, it is a hot ticket. Uh, the big news here is that they don't want Raider fans to sell their tickets to any Charger fans. I don't think they have to worry about that because there really aren't any Charger fans <laughs> at all. So it should be a yeah, the true charge, home- The Chargers don't go in LA. Exactly. I don't know it's likely they're going to be in yeah. Vegas. Good point. Exactly. And as you know, there are more Raider fans in LA anyway than there are Charger fans and then Vegas. So it will definitely be a prominent, you know, Raider crowd uh, in the house. And the big question is, can the Raiders perform? And you mentioned Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been running the ball well, but the Raiders do not make that commitment to the run. And that's it. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago against Denver where Josh Jacobs ran, 20, uh, you know, carried the ball for, you know, 27 times, 129 yards. 
but they really got away from that last week against Indianapolis. And, you know, conventional wisdom says that Derek Carr is going to have to, to will this team to win. They're going to have to win it with his arm. But uh, there's a lot of key elements and interesting elements in this game when you look at the matchups because the Chargers defensively are not very good. And this could turn out to be a shootout. And I don't know who that would favor in this case. Obviously, the Raiders have the weapons on offense, especially if they can get Darren Waller back at the tight end position because he's missed the last five games. So that is huge. But San Diego, uh, San Diego, listen, the Chargers cannot get off the field on third down. They are the worst team uh, allowing their opponents to convert a third down, 50%. Now, if the Raiders commit to the run and they put themselves in third and short situations, advantage Raiders. But we have not seen Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, really commit you know, to the run except that Denver Bronco game. So really, it's how are the Raiders going to attack? that's what we need to know. We know what the Chargers are going to do. They've got Justin Herbert. they got Austin Eckler in the backfield. They've got Keenan Allen. they got Mike Williams. I mean, you know what they got offensively. And with that Raiders defense improving to a certain degree, it wasn't able to slow them down when they met earlier in the season when you know the Chargers got out to a 21-0 lead. So these are the questions that are interesting. I think the Raiders are going to have to really – turn it up a notch defensively. And then this is where Rich Basaccia is really going to have to earn uh, his stripes here. If he has any hope whatsoever of becoming uh, the Raiders next head coach, which probably not going to happen, but it's how they game plan for this chargers team, because the chargers are not afraid of the Raiders. They're coming in here with a lot of mojo after blasting Denver last week. And we know what Herbert can do. And we know what Herbert has done against the Raiders. So it's how are the Raiders going to attack this from an offensive situation against that Charger defense, which can be had. All right, fair enough. Again, the Raiders have yet to cover as a doggy at home. However, they have four outright wins as an underdog on the road, including last week in Indianapolis. Go figure. I'm backing them, even though the doctor is not. You're hearing from T.C. Martin. Mm-hmm. He's at T.C. Martin 21 on Twitter. It is the T.C. Martin Show, found at tcmartinshow.com, five days a week in Las Vegas. If you're not going there, where are you going for an underdog and why? What do you like here in the in the multiple crazy playoff scenario games, winner-take-all game in Vegas, but several other games in the late window, the late afternoon, Eastern time, right in the early afternoon, uh, Western time zones are going to have playoff implications all over the place. Do you like one? What is it and why? Yeah, actually, there are not many uh, great matchups here. And I know the NFL was hoping that they were going to get a lot of matchups when they went to the 17-game schedule, making all of these games divisional matchups. However, there is only one underdog that is worth looking at and playing, and I do like this underdog play a lot, and that is the San Francisco 49ers against the L.A. Rams. Uh, The Niners dominated the Rams when they met back on November the 21st. The Niners won this game 31 to 10 uh, back in Santa Clara. Um, The Niners held the Rams to 52 yards rushing. I do not see any of that changing in this game. Now, granted, not, not forecasting a blowout in this situation, but the, the Niners are playing some good football. Think about this, TJ Reeves. The Niners are nine and seven. However, they have a top 10 offense in a top 10 defense. When have you ever seen a nine and seven team have those two elements? You don't see that. 
Point being, the Niners are so much better than a 9-7 team. Okay, they lost some games earlier on when Garoppolo was, uh, was injured. Uh, they were decimated with injuries at the running back position, the wide receiver position. They're as healthy now as they possibly can be. And you look at the way the Niner defense is playing now, pretty rock solid. Um, you know, in, in going against that Rams running game, which really is non-existent. But the key to the Niners is can they move the ball against the Rams defense? And that answer is yes. It was yes back in November. It's been yes against basically every opponent for the last six or seven weeks. And when you have the wide receivers and the and the threat that Debo Samuel uh, gives you, not only at the wide receiver position, but in the backfield as well too. Brandon Ayuk is playing phenomenal. And of course, there's George Kittle that people forget about. I don't know how the Rams secondary is going to be able to shut all this down especially if Garoppolo can come back healthy. That's, That's the big the one thing. Point I'm I was asking on him you, coming if back I inter- If I can interject, the one point I was asking you, does it concern you? Because Lance played well against the Texans. Will they maybe play both guys? You and I don't know the answer to that as we release the podcast. Will they maybe play both guys? Will they try to start Garoppolo? If he's ineffective, they go to the rookie Trey Lance. We don't know that, and it doesn't concern you enough on the road here to back you off the 49ers. No, my play is solely – uh, restricted to Jimmy Garoppolo playing. I want no part of Trey Lance. Uh, I watched Trey Lance uh, all of last week. He started off very, very slow. And it was only because the Houston Texans are so bad that he completed some passes in the second half. But he was pretty awful uh, for a good part of that game. But no, uh, Garoppolo, they held him out uh, purposely for this game uh, to make sure that that hand is is as good as it possibly can be. So uh, you know, if Garoppolo is healthy, then the advantage 49ers getting four on the road. But uh, if he's not, and they got to go to Trey Lance, then, you know, advantage Rams big time here. That is a big drop off for the 49ers with, because uh, let's be honest, Garoppolo has been fantastic this year. There was a lot of talk earlier on about whether he was even going to be the starting quarterback, but Hey, he came in here with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he has the best chemistry, you know, with this team. So uh, advantage Niners of Garoppolo is healthy. And if he can just, uh, you know, perform like he did last time against the Rams where he did not throw an interception, uh, didn't throw the ball very much. I think, you know, again, he was like 14 for 19, but he did have two touchdown passes. Niners have a lot of weapons offensively. Niners are fired up. Niners need this game badly. They need it more than the Rams. And I think we should uh, take a good hard look at that. Of course, they had the pick six of Matt Stafford early on in the game in that first meeting. They've beaten the Rams four straight times now, dating back the last couple of seasons for whatever that's worth. Let's see what happens. And I'm on board with you. And I like them even if they're playing Trey Lance in this situation. They're highly motivated. Uh, The Rams are obviously motivated because the two seeds on the line. I could be accused of being biased here because my Buccaneers will be scoreboard watching. The Bucs should take care of Carolina, who's not good. And then they're scoreboard watching and rooting for the 49ers to win because that would elevate the Buccaneers to the two seed instead of the three seed. And one more time, the significance of that is the second week of the playoffs. That would keep the Buccaneers from having to go to L.A. It would make L.A. come to them. The Rams don't want that going to be quite the dogfight in the NFC West to see how that game plays out. I love this man's insight. I know you've got to scoot here in a second. Plug away on how we find all your stuff online, on the air, social media, all of it. Go. TCMartinShow.com. It's a stream live every day from 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. If you miss the show live, you can go to the website and in the archives there. got some great interviews and uh, the blogs are up there and everything else. But yeah, uh, join us 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific. 
Uh, we've got the NFL. We've got it all covered for you. We've got the college side uh, with uh, fantastic guests uh, from both sides of it. So, yeah, check us out, tcmartinshow.com. And find him at tcmartin21 on Twitter. He's a great follow for everything Vegas, including the food, including the fun. <laughs> there's, there's not a Vegas sporting event this guy's not at, too. So he's all over it. Follow him on social media. And you're still doing the Friday Best Bets. Have you got the Friday Best Bets going this week? And are you oh, at yeah. the Cosmopolitan? So yes. if they are headed to Vegas for the game or headed to Vegas for the weekend, they should come check you if they can get there for Friday afternoon at the Cosmopolitan right at the Sportsbook. Yeah, that's our, our Friday home right there in the sports book, powered by William Hill, the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. A fantastic property, as you well know. It, it's great, but we are there each and every Friday uh, breaking uh, down all the games. And yes, we give our, our best bets on the college side and the NFL side each and every Friday. All right. Fantastic stuff. Again, I like the Raiders, the Raiders there in Vegas in the Sunday night game. TC and I agree on the San Francisco 49ers getting the points. Uh, if not the outright win in Los Angeles, let's see what happens. Brother, thank you. I appreciate it. I always love the insight rock and roll this weekend in Vegas. Thank you, TC Martin. Thank you, my man. Always love his insight. Thank you to Brian Edwards of Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. Thank you to my buddy Joe Lisi that had all those handicapping parlays and the great stuff with the Buccaneers and the 12 wins on the season and cashing that ticket. Ryan Fowler of 109FM. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, tied 109 FM, previewing the national title game, and TC Martin right here as well. And we thank you for being with us. Wherever you found this podcast, however you found it, subscribe, subscribe. We come your way Thursdays. We stay relevant through the weekend. Final regular season weekend of the NFL. Will Alabama win that national title? I like the tide on Monday night. Let's see what happens. We're back to talk about all of it. We'll have the NFL playoff matchups next week and be ready to talk about it on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.